Hello and welcome back to We Bought a Mic for Good Mic Hunting, mm-hmm. a Robin Williams career arc series. Welcome. My name's Ernest. Uh, my name is Dean Hearshot. And uh, if if the propeller stops spinning, then my pacemaker stops working. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I will die live on mic. Uh, and I'm Drew, and you might notice a bit of a weird tone up front in this episode, and that's because we wanted to respect the movie that we're talking about, which yeah. is the weirdest tone that you'll ever <laughs> see in your whole life. Uh, Very excited. A, a pop culture toy cast talking toys. Parentheses 1992. Parentheses uh, like found in a dumpster. <laughs> A deranged yeah, nightmare. Parenth- Parentheses illegal DVD ripped by Ernest Calderon. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently this movie was available on HBO Max for a short while. Oh, man. And we just like totally missed the boat on it. Why would they take this off? Oh, to make space for West Side Story? To make yeah. space for Drive My Car? No, no, no. Well, okay. There's space for toys. So this and the next movie on our series, Mrs. Doubtfire, are both... 20th Century Fox films. And now Disney owns that studio. And I feel like Disney, much like Fern Gully, which I feel like is also Fox, Fox Animation, didn't we say? Yes, I think that we determined that was Fox Animation. They want to bury this movie. <laughs> and they we're not going to let them get away no. with it. Disney, Disney we're doesn't... We're talking Zevo toys, okay? Disney doesn't want the people to know... The yeah. sick, twisted vision of Barry Levinson's you gotta, toys. You got to put this on like LimeWire. Right. <laughs> Do you think that like Sam Levinson is going to sneak in like toys references in season three of Euphoria or what? You know, he's in it. He's in toys. I, I was trying As to find kid. I was trying to find him. Is he just like one of the little kids? Yeah, I watching think, Santa? Extras, I think like he's one of the little like drone pilot kids. <laughs> Whatever that fucking song is. The music in this Lot movie. A lot to unpack here, folks. Um, this is like one of those like YouTube video essays that's like nine hours, <laughs> and it's about I, like it's about like salmon cat season told, three. I already told my wife I was like, "Honey, don't wait up for me tonight." Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, she saw one. you like walk out like putting the propeller hat on. She was like, "Oh no, he's just gonna fucking spin that thing fast enough and just fly away into the no, night sky." She saw it like poking out of your back pocket, and you're like trying to hide it. You're like trying to stuff yeah. it. She's like, She's "You like, told me that? that you quit." You told me you were done with that life. I'm never done with this life. <laughs> oh man. Where All do right. we even begin with this movie? I I I don't even know what to say. Let me see what <laughs> that was that was like my take on like when I finished it. I was like, hold on. This is a deeply deranged. Let me <laughs> let me see what the, the first note that I have for the whole movie is it just says immediately, who is this for? <laughs> right. No, so that's well, that was kind of an existential question I was going to save till later in the conversation. But let's get to it now. The way that this movie starts, I was like, oh, this is like, you know, like a, a Santa Claus type story. You know, it's just like this is definitely a fun family film. Definitely 100% a kid's movie. Right. Well, it starts with kids. This movie is like, f- like you should not show this movie your fucking children. No, way. like there's literally a part where like Robin Williams is just so horny. He's just like, I'm trying to get laid with like a little puppet thing. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> it's deeply fucked up. So this is the this is the little log line that's on IMDb. When Lieutenant General Leland Zevo, parentheses Sir Michael Gambon, inherits a toy making company and begins making war toys, his employees band together to stop him before he ruins the name of Zevo Toys forever. So how how do we should we discuss this movie in any kind of a spoiler free context or are we just gonna go right in with this? I think thing? we should go right in. I mean, uh, like I said, this is a hard movie to find. Yeah, right I don't now. know how you, you got to get your hands it. on the dirty DVD. Uh, if there is no Blu-ray available, buy the DVD of this thing. Dear God, it's just a fascinating oh, artifact. Oh, got it right here. <laughs> We're gonna punch in here. We're gonna zoom in. I got it right here. I'm and gonna, for ninety nine ninety nine a month, you can get this DVD sent to you. You do have seven days to return it, but you can borrow it. I'm trying to prop it up. I can't. It's I, not. I don't know up. if this is. You probably it's should have tried to do this pre-recording. We have podcast. the power of like graphics, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> Just <laughs> I mean, look at this thing. It's beautiful. Let me see. Is we it got beautiful? Robin's face. Robin's face. Wait, read the read the little <laughs> the little uh, tagline. The font, the, the ugliest font I've ever seen in my entire life. So this it's is whimsical. A, this is a quote from National News Syndicate. <laughs> they say, "A delicious holiday gift that'll make you smile." <laughs> is that what this movie is? So is it? <laughs> I don't know if any of those words. Are getting <laughs> getting to like the crux of this movie. Wait, 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 I, wait, wait. Hold that thought. Hold on. Can you read the Roger Ebert quote oh. at the top? Wait, is Roger Ebert high on this movie? Did he like it? Just read the... It's at the very top of the box. You, uh, Based on this quote, you would think so. I remember reading this, uh, uh, like looking up the movie. Visually, one of the most extraordinary films I've seen. A delight for the eyes, a bright new world. That could be in the context of like a two and a half star review. Right. Yeah. You never know. What Did you know what he gave it? That's a great question. I'm going to pull it up. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, just to kind of see it is like it is one of those things where this movie like it not only does it not really it you're good call two and a half stars. literally two and, let's two and a half stars um which the fact that they had to put a two and a half star review on the dvd cover not a great sign for how critically well received this was i think it saw it got as a 29 rotten tomato score well, c Ebert, plus on a cinema score yikes, which is cinema awful. score if it's a b in a blockbuster movie that's yeah. bad C plus is like dear that's that's yeah. horrendous. I mean, I think this movie should have been called War Toys. I think if they if they would have <laughs> called it War Toys, then you you would have gotten a better yeah, idea were, were of they thinking, what it was. How were they not thinking about the SEO? You just type in toys in Google. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. I, try, in, I did type, type in toys you, in Google, yeah. and guess what popped up? Not this movie. Back yeah. then, you you go and type in toys on like yeah. the, your ARPANET device. A, adult toys. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, it's for grown-ups so, for adults yeah <laughs> this movie is like it exists outside of space and time itself but yet also it like has a very 80s sensibility to it and we should say this movie is not filmed in the 80s um so it already it kind of feels outdated there's like a lot of i know the production designer uh fernandino uh Scarfiotti, um, I believe that is how you say his name, definitely got that 100% right, spent over a year working on the set designs. Wow. And you can feel that production design. There was like a lot of like Dadaism, like uh, French futurism that was kind of brought into this whole idea. 
it kind of looks like an adult version of like what the Teletubby set would look like. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of like fucking Tim Burtonisms all throughout this movie with the way that like early Tim Burton, how it's aesthetically yeah. trying to look. Yeah. They're, also, they're, they're um, trying to do Pee Wee's Playhouse. You, you brought vibe. up uh, Fisher King. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Terry Gilliam uh, has movies that look a lot more out there than Fisher King, yeah. even. Like he, they're, that, they're trying to do that, especially in this because this isn't, this is more of, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, immediately, who is this for? Is it a kid's movie? No. It's, but it's not an adult's movie. It's, not, it's too dumb to be an adult's movie. I mean, it's half the characters in this movie are talking very much like actors reading lines. Like, that's one of the things that really stood out to me. Like, and, and to me, it's hard for me because, like, I understand that this is Barry Levinson. This is a guy who's made a lot of great movies, and he's clearly going for something here when he keeps those takes in the final product of these, like, well, yeah. you know, kind of very stilted performances. Yeah, it's but like, that's a Pee Wee's Playhouse thing. Like the, like the villain in Pee Wee's Playhouse is like, uh, an ins- like the most obvious, like, like one dimensional version of a villain you could have, you know? But to me, I just couldn't help but feel like what we're left with is really sloppy storytelling. You know, like I, to me, this movie... And and we're gonna get into it. This movie is fucking crazy. It's insane. It's batshit crazy. But I think I'm left with feeling like it's kind of a failure. Like it's kind of just a huge miss. Even though it is super ambitious, and I can marvel at like the massive swings that it's taken, you know, particularly with the visuals, like and you know. You mentioned the production design. The sets are just absolutely mind-blowing. Like, watch this movie just to see some of these sets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's just, just like the entire time I'm like, man, this is just not clicking that's, at all. That's what I, what I would say is that it doesn't come together. Right. It doesn't, like, for all that it does accomplish, it doesn't feel like it's a movie at all. Like, it does, it, it, it doesn't, you don't entirely feel like you're in this world at any point i guess i think so i agree with what you're saying but also there was part of me that loved this movie right like there's i think that i, feel the I same. think this is like one of my like favorite like bad movies i've ever seen in Be, my life. you know why because there are a it's, lot of things in this movie that are very funny well because it's a this thing, movie it, I think like that part of me part of me almost wonders if they found the movie while shooting it like they were originally intending to make a wholesome kids movie, and then like just while on the shoot, they were like having to call audibles, and they're like, "We have the bones of a child script here, yeah. but like we're starting to kind of develop more of an adult sensibility to these things." So we're just gonna go like very like nihilist at certain points with some of these like plot threads. Like we're literally LL Cool J is just like, "Man, yeah, LL you slept cool with my J dad, this man." Like I'm now like. <laughs> I'm now like betraying my yeah. father. Everything we've been saying so far, like sort of points toward like we didn't have to tell you that LL Cool J is in this. You heard us talking about like the ornate sets yeah. and the surrealist. And film. you're, you're like, like, oh, yeah, LL no. Cool J. LL Cool J is staple. probably the son of like a military yeah. dictator type guy. He LL is. Cool J is, is probably the son. Michael Gam- Sir Michael Gambon. Yeah, he's probably, Sir Michael he probably Gambon. plays Michael Gambon's son. <laughs> hey, love the progressive casting. Like this is basically a tragedy at Macbeth really with just yeah. progressive casting choices. Yeah. Basically. Cause it's also now in nowadays it is progressive to give Ella Cool J more screen time than Jamie Foxx by a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a very progressive move. 
Um, by the way, I just realized I've kept the same mood lighting. Is this, said toys, to- is this a toys lighting? The purple light? I don't know. I feel like toys lighting is like changing constantly. Like this. What? Tell me, guys, what looks best with <laughs> that? Does that look good with the green? I don't know. Give it, give it euphoria lighting. Yeah. This, this honestly is a very bisexual movie. It. <sighs> I'm joking. It, it's not. <laughs> okay, so you brought up euphoria. I was talking about this before we started recording. This movie is directed by Barry Levinson, who is Sam Levinson's dad. Sam Levinson is the creator of Euphoria. I this don't, movie... Yeah, Barry is, Levinson is a fucking incredible director. He's one of the like great unsung directors of the 80s right. and 90s. Well, we talked about... Um, what's it called? Uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is, this is a reunion for him and Robin. Uh, Sam Levinson was introduced to drugs on this set. I am sure of it. I'm doing a deep dive investigation. Um, you ready to cancel Barry Levinson? Euphoria. He's in it. He's in the movie. He's getting drugs. Did I say Barry or Sam? I keep mixing them up. Sam Levinson, the child at the time of this, uh, production was introduced to the drugs that would go on to inspire Euphoria. Mm-hmm. That's the energy that I'm feeling from this movie. Yeah. People were on some shit while they were making this. Yeah. Um, I think that the cast was, yeah, just everyone involved was on something. And like, I think that everybody involved was on different things is one of the right. factors to like the manic energy of this story is like the storytelling itself is very all over the place and very manic and wild. And then also everybody is just like taking downers who's actually working behind the camera. Yeah. So the, the central issue with the movie, I think truly is that it just doesn't settle into itself. Um, and it doesn't like coalesce that said for that being a problem, it is weird. Like that. I think a good amount of this cast does like understand what movie they're in. Weirdly, like Joan Cusack, for example, Mm -hmm. I think Joan Cusack is great. In this she's, she's really so funny as this like very spacey, like bizarre because that's what that character would be. She is the uh, daughter of a, <laughs> of a. I don't. You know what? I don't even want to use words to describe what this movie is. But <laughs> it, it, it's it's, it's like, more of a vibe. It's yeah, a feeling. It's a giant toy factory that uh, plays really weird like early 90s music to get everyone amped up the music in this movie was driving me insane like what the fuck what were they thinking okay so Hans Zimmer yeah it's (laughs) Hans Zimmer is up in here it's a lot of the stuff is like written by Hans Zimmer written by somebody else and then performed by Tori Amos Tori Amos is all over this Tori Amos does a Relative, like the original version of the song, The Happy Worker, is like relatively straightforward when it plays, even though it just sounds hilarious. Like, you're like, this is just like a, I don't know, this is like a sort of like pop, like female singer songwriter doing. Is that the song that like plays multiple times in the movie? So, once the military man takes over, there's a a fucked up like techno remix that's always playing, and it it sounds like scary to the ears. Well, that's that's the thing is that like. I wish that this movie would lean more into the sinister side that it has because that's like really interesting because there's a lot of social commentary in here about like the military industrial complex. Yeah. And it's like weirdly 
prescient and ahead of its time when it's leaning into like drones and automated I, so <laughs> weapons. They, they, I didn't, they invented I, drones. They I invented make, VR. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> make a full list of everything, but drone strikes and VR is something that's new in this this whole story. Like it, it is kind of wildly ahead of its time with some of the things that it is trying to get out there and say. Um indoctrination of children into like wanting to be in the middle. Um, yeah, the whole it invent Call of Duty. Uh, just <laughs> yeah. well so that um that's actually like a direct pull from Ender's game. Is oh, not good to, point. not to spoil yeah. the book, but it's it's um yeah, like having children do war while they don't think that that's yeah, what they're doing. They think it's yeah. it's just like a simulation. Exactly. But they're like piloting yeah. drones. It, um which, you know, Ender's game, good book. Uh her takes on the movie. Oh man. Harrison I, Ford. Asa Butterfield. Ben Kingsley. Sir Ben Kingsley. Yeah, it's a no. Um so there are a lot of ideas being thrown around in the movie, but it's all with the veneer and the feel of such insane removal from reality that like these these like terse connections to reality that we're talking about like don't make sense. Uh, another thing that really doesn't make sense in this movie is Robin Williams making pop culture references. That to me stuck out more than almost anything. Him like talking about like Michael Jackson and stuff. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. In this He doesn't world? know. He in doesn't know. This character culture, does not know who no, Michael Jackson is. He doesn't is. exist. They're not on <laughs> earth. Like but like there is no pop culture in this world that they're in. You know, like it, it's it was that was a misuse of Robin Williams because Barry Levinson, obviously, he made Good Morning Vietnam with Robin. Right. And in that movie, he lets Robin do whatever he wants. And Robin does an amount of improvising in this, but it doesn't make any sense in this because this isn't the setting. The setting is uh, the world. <laughs> like this, it makes sense in Aladdin because Aladdin is just a silly, like, right. It's a cartoon. But this is like. I, you want to ascribe depth to these characters because like you can tell that they're trying to get at stuff here. They're, they're getting at depth. They're getting at like a weird, like cool, creative vision. And then he's just like, Oh, it's like a before and after Michael Jackson. Like this isn't, this isn't where you're supposed to do that. And you're right. Because like, aside from, I do think like, this is a good Robin performance and like a lot of the stuff that he's trying to do whenever he's like, he's good at being like manic and like all over the place and very like larger than life and having some of that Robinism, some of that physical comedy that we've talked about before in prior episodes, but then also like getting really meek and small whenever yeah. there's somebody who's like actually like being authoritative. Like it's, he is good at embodying a child and that aspect is really good for having Robin in this movie, but you're right. All the pop culture stuff is just like that's not that's not the side of well, Robin that is you want utilized. So you, in this. you also so you brought up a pretty big central struggle for a character to have in a movie. Like he is he's the son of this toy like factory like universe creator yeah um it's who, like a wonka thing yeah pretty much yeah. wonka and wonka on codeine yep, was your that's what I yeah. words like yeah. his, and his dad has just died and he would be sort of the natural heir to like it but then uh at the last second his dad gave it to his brother right mm -hmm. which is this military like warlord uncle type. dumbledore yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so so what you brought up is a, an interesting struggle for someone to have is like 
everyone loves him at this factory. He's always just been sort of like the natural, like no one's ever questioned him and or his authority or his place. Well, I, I feel like he, he's like a designer leader. Like he, yeah. you get mm-hmm. the sense that like he has the ideas. He's a, he's a genius. Yeah. He creates, he creates VR. VR in 1993. He creates like, puke. He creates that's, like that's dude, a joke. This that is, is the puke of a white man. <laughs> that, One of the funniest fucking yeah. lines I've heard in like the, so that, long. That, that entire scene, scene is like so good. Like that's that is is there, there are scenes men. in oh. this movie or like bits or jokes. There are a lot of individual jokes that in a vacuum are just so funny. Well, it's, not not so funny, but like I mean, it is funny, but it's like it's so much more than that. Like that scene, that is a perfect scene. Just yeah. all around. The like, room is shrinking yeah. like Tetris style around them. It, it, like visually, it's it's magnificent. Yeah. And they're just completely transfixed on the puke. They the can't whole time. stop. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, God, the room is caving in on us. Uh, anyway, so that <laughs> that struggle you mentioned is very interesting. And you could you could do a lot with just that. Then they give him a romance with Robin Wright. Yeah. Which, which like, hey, hey, Robin Wright, I see you. Well, this Southern Southern Bell she, Robin Wright. This is right before um, Forrest Gump. Yeah, no, no, yeah, Forrest Gump hasn't even happened yet. Was she the original Mackenzie Davis? I get those vibes. I, I'm, I'm feeling it, just like in terms of typecasting for like a tall blonde with a strong jaw. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that romance is really weird. I don't know how. I still don't really know how I feel about it. How do you guys feel about it? Because it, it I takes up a lot of time in a movie that has like a lot of like big. I like don't know. Heavy a, a lot of things, a lot of plot threads in this movie take up a lot of time and then kind of just dissipate. <laughs> Robin Williams just isn't in like a big chunk of this movie at one point. Yeah, like, it's, like, it's like, an kind of, LL Cool J movie. Yeah, we can't just, just forget that Robin Williams <laughs> hey, is in here. I love LL Cool J in this movie. He's great. He kind of. I don't dude, know. He talks about <laughs> recurring bits that are great. His camouflaging. Those are so all, they're good. all funny. When he's just in like a red room, he's like, ah, bet you didn't see me here and like turns around and he's wearing like a red jacket. I <laughs> love so good. Like, it's so fucking it's, funny. Yeah. It, well, he so he starts the movie strong as an actor. Like he the, like you get some genuine humor out of him. But the writing of that character is just funny. Like when he like his dad thinks that he's like hit him with a car and killed him. And then he's like, don't worry, dad, it's just a uh, normal standard maneuver. <laughs> he's like just alive. I love how much his dad just like loves him. Like his dad just thinks yeah. he's so cool. Well, <sighs> always training, right, son? It's, There's- I'm so torn because like, I wish that I could love moments like that in this movie that are just so removed from reality. But Every time something like that happened, it just like annoyed me. Wow. Like it just didn't it just didn't click here for some reason. Like there was just something about this movie. Maybe maybe I I need to rewatch it like knowing what it is cuz I just had no idea what to expect uh, yeah, at all. Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah. And like I didn't expect it to be the type of movie to to fluctuate so much in all of these different tones and sensibilities. And I just didn't know how to react to moments like that. No, I know. Just like, this, that's not a real person. That, that's like something I've like tried to work on consci- consciously over the last couple of years is like being able to appreciate that like jokes are on a they come even in a bad thing. They come on a one by one basis and yeah. you can you can like one joke while not liking the product or you can like it while hating the next one, you know, yeah. and there there are jokes that are really really great and like well written and pretty well executed directorially it's just in the middle of a movie that doesn't work right 
It, like the movie, I, there's I agree. Amazing, I don't think the movie just works. There's fundamentally, some amazing, but. just like visual comedy, like the shot of uh, Robin riding that toy car in the funeral during a funeral. He's just yeah, he's in a little <laughs> tiny bumper car, like in between hearses, and then like gets like knocked around well, by yeah. the cars. That's like, like one of the funniest things I've ever that seen. Is, Dad's it's, funeral. It's also so that's also like the very beginning of the movie, which the, the so the reason that I wrote down immediately who is this for is because the movie starts with i'd say probably five minutes of just like old men talking and i'm like yeah well it sure looks like a kid's movie and it sure feels like one but kids don't like that well well first it's the santa song and then quickly <laughs> oh yeah long ass minutes santa it's like a five minute musical yeah. production so that's that, okay that doesn't work here's here's the thing that this direction and you just said musical production this a lot of this movie is directed like a music video like right. that's just what I was just thinking whenever I was watching this is like we do get a actual music video. We get video. an actual that's why it was so funny that they ended up rocks. just doing like an MTV style music they video. They do it like a David bit. Byrne song. Yeah, yeah they no, it literally just sounds like a talking well, heads like okay, side. But we need to talk about this cuz there's there's so much to unpack here. First of all, I was losing my fucking mind trying to find this song <laughs> because it plays again during the end credits and I was trying to like hold my phone up to the, <laughs> to the I was it? yeah I was like shazamming the song and this it was, was like could not find this it. one uh, it was on beach shazam with Jamie Foxx dude <laughs> Sam is like Jamie Foxx is like yeah, you recognize Jamie Foxx co-star of yeah, toys famously the star of toys dude I I tried <laughs> I kept trying it and I was like okay I need to like I need there's something wrong with like my audio quality that's like not picking it up. No, just like not no, find it's it. Just Dude, like it's not just not the I had to song. hunt. I had to hunt for this. I fucking found it. Yes. Um, it's it's not listed in the soundtrack. That's, um, that's it's not no, that's, it's not the mirror song. I thought it's the mirror. Oh yeah, song. yeah, it is. You're right. You're right. It is okay, listed. Good. It's track number nine. I I just wasn't looking hard enough. Yeah. So it's track number nine in the Wikipedia section under soundtrack. Um, by Thomas Dolby, Thomas Dolby, featuring Robin Williams and Joan Cusack. Wow! It literally sounds like a mix between Talking Heads and New Order. I would love to hear I, I it on it. digital surround sound. Man, <laughs> love to just run is Thomas is Thomas Dolby. Dolby like the son of an audio magnate per, per chance? I, be, if I had to guess, I would probably say so. Somebody um, uploaded it to youtube i will link it in the, the video is also we're, we're cutting the out, video we're is so psychedelic your song <laughs> this is it's a, it's an insane fucking music video i love it like this is the type of moment in this movie or sequence that i just I, i'm in love with i i because we when we were talking about aladdin um we brought up how like one of the reasons Robin Williams didn't want his name all over Aladdin is because he was so into toys and he wanted that to be his kids movie and then like not become a kids movie right. guy. Mm -hmm. Because I can see how a creative would get so into the production of this movie because Robin Williams is like an odd guy uh, based on, his, you know, his past and like his role selection and the fact that he didn't go on to like make a lot of stuff. We know he's not like necessarily a good like producer, like, you know, finger on the pulse. Like, I know what people are going to like. Right. He just liked making this. Right. Yeah. I don't think he. I think I mean, that the, everybody. The effort, liked, yeah. yeah. I he, think that like everybody involved seemed yeah. to just like have a blast. I really think he just he loved this. making it. He loved that he got to be it was it got to be just bizarre and creative. He you know, I'm sure he saw this as like his sort of his his peewees, his chance to be just as weird as possible. 
and uh, he didn't know that it was how poorly it was going to be received. Well, I mean, isn't that insane? This movie had a $50 million budget, an original story that is just about like somebody trying to come into a Wonka type toy yeah. factory and then turn also, it like heavy anti-military project, yeah, project their <laughs> military complex onto this toy factory to create like toys that have guns on them. Right. This had a $50 million budget. That's fucking insane that this movie Barry had that Levinson, high of a budget. Dude. Yeah, I, I mean, this is like a blank check project yeah, for right. Barry Levinson. It's, it's a big cast, I, and also these sets had to cost so much. It's also, but like, it is funny that just going back to like, who is this movie for? It does ride this weird line between because, yes, there's like, they're in a toy factory. There's all these like cool production design choices that would be inviting to kids. But there's something unsettling about like all the yes. toys themselves. Like this movie gave me, I had to look up it's what is disturbing. the fear of animatronics, uh, automatonophobia. That's like how I felt while watching yep. this movie. I felt like how people, especially the end. Yeah, when people describe <laughs> like uh, how they feel seeing like it's a small world, and they're like, "No, that shit like fucks me up." Like that's, that's how I yeah. felt while watching this movie. I was like, felt an unease in my stomach while just seeing like these giant like machines moving around and scurrying all over. So so, so the, the end of this movie is a toy versus toy it's battle. It's toy war. And all I could think about was like, just turn them off. It's <laughs> the end. Just pull the plug. So just the, take out the just battery. Like go over, like step over them and like pick them up. The final. They're small. Yeah, so They're moving very slow. This is the big sequence of the movie. Like this is, it's way too long. I was so. This toy war. It's is, like 40 minutes. I was of the so movie. checked out. No, I was I, like, I no, do not. Yeah, care. no, I was, I was like, che like checking where the curse, you know, where the little timer thing was. I was like, are you kidding? Like it takes so fucking long to get through this. Like really, I'm not going to say poorly directed, but like there's only so much you can direct when like the technology isn't there to individually control all of these toys. But also because we've seen other sequences in this movie that look incredible yeah, look so much better to this, this is this is like like soft lenses like super foggy hard to like quick cuts everywhere you can tell that like the shoot didn't go how they wanted yeah. it to basically yeah, that and, was and yet they thing. still used a half hour of it right that's you sh they shouldn't have done that and like, they still had a 50 million dollar budget and why does it look bad like right here at the very end whenever they're trying to do like any kind of an action well, why why did they think that we would want to see in this like really very whimsical like like tony bizarre fun movie why would we want 30 minutes of action with like a few jokes smattered in that is stupid well we get to see robin williams deliver a wartime speech oh um, my god that was that was actually pretty epic i, I mean so yeah it's better cool. than the war we get to see them go back to uh manhattan as they called it which I love a good miniature. Yeah, as somebody who had Central a tiny Park. village, that was uh, LL Cool J like like lying down, like yeah. hiding in there was really <laughs> funny. LL Cool J is great in this movie. I don't know what you're talking about, Ernie. I loved LL. I loved everything His, that he was doing. He was just in a he, different he, movie. No, like, here's the thing: is that I think everyone that he, is. I think yeah. he knew what movie he was in. He was like, "I'm going to play this as straight down the middle as possible." Right, yeah. and that's exactly what it, you want from that role. Yeah, because he is like, it's just like as the serious like military side like i i loved every moment with him because it's first of all it's just lo cool j <laughs> and you're like Whoa. it's what's the, what was the effect. contract negotiation it's process lo cool like, j is the son of sir michael campone um, he gets fourth billing the I way guess fifth billing the way that he's 
like all we hear about is him over and over and then the way he's introduced to us is he pops out of a sofa <laughs> he's disguised in a, in a sofa he is the in sofa and and his dad's like elated by yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, ah, his good to like, see you, God son. damn, son, you're so good at that. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like when like Lucille Bluth sees Jean Parmesan. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. <laughs> That's so true. It, it like that that dynamic is just a funny thing to come to. Like a, a just a guy who's just in love with how how uh his son is like a spy. Yeah. But unfortunately <laughs> he doesn't love his son enough not to sleep with his son's yeah he did fuck his son's uh like sexy nurse okay no wait so i do want to talk just some of like the wild choices that are in this movie that i that i did love some of them like story-wise doesn't work but just some of the like actual directorial choices just fucking sing um so jack warden plays in this movie um the guy who owned the toy shop and died their dad and also uh, michael gambone's dad he lays in like a the military style. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like their father, the grandfather figure is well, still it's, alive. It's Gambon's brother. Yeah. No, Gambon's brother is the one who, but Gambon's dad is the one who they see at one point. He's oh, still alive. Yeah, the military yes, guy. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yes. He is set up. Weird, weird in family a, setup here. Yeah, set up really weird. In a military style tent. Where he has laying in a bed with a spotlight that can come down and land straight on his stars to show that he has four stars, <laughs> yeah. not three stars. Like no, he's like he has five. Son. His son has four. Yeah, yeah Gambon okay. calls it out. He's like, I, I, I can know tell. This. You always turn on that spotlight <laughs> every time I come in here that says you have five and yeah. I only have four. I, I I love Gambon in this movie. I love that. No, and then you like think like, well, what kind of like a rusty shack is he in? And then we leave, and he just has like a military style POW style tent set up inside of a mansion, like inside of the room of a mansion. Yeah. It that, that rocks, kicks ass. It also That's so there, there's a lot of funny. sort. Of, I mean, there's a lot of sort of like toyification of the characters yeah. in this because that's one example where it's like it's as if like. I thought that he was dead. I thought it was like a prosthetic of his dad or something. <laughs> no. Like, well, so that's also reflected in um, Joan Cusack, who basically is a living doll and who designs dolls. And she she lives in basically a diorama style dollhouse mm -hmm. and go, well, sleeps, cool. sleeps every night in a swan that descends from her <laughs> ceiling. That is that looked so cool. So the <laughs> moments like that make me feel like I want to rewatch this movie because it, like there's so many little things yeah. like that that are, it's almost like a throwaway. You can tell somebody spent a year on the fucking yeah, production for design. five seconds. That's, of the, that's movie. the thing is it's like insane. pretty early because this movie started really poorly for me. And so. I came to it as being... Oh, you, were, you weren't a fan of the Santa song? The, that song was so fucking long. And then, and then it cuts straight to just a bunch of old guys being like, well, who's going to take it's over the factory? It's rough. And yeah, so yeah. like coming from that for 10 minutes, um, I, I was thinking immediately, oh, I, this is bad. This is yeah. just straight bad. And then you end up with so many little moments of real creativity um, and craft and, I mean, more importantly than any of that, like humor. There are jokes in this that I think are very, very, very funny. Um, Ernie, what are the odds that we can get you to also rip the featurette trailers, TV spots? Oh hell yeah, uh, yeah, all of it. Can I, you? You know how much I miss being able to have the slightest little scraps of DVD special features. Exactly. I want to see all of it. I want to get a poster for this movie. 
<laughs> you want it? Do you want to get like the the main poster just Robin Williams face? You know, no, I definitely don't want we, that. We well, there are certain stills. There's like the there's Ducks like, Crossing one. Yes, that's I, I screenshotted one. that. Me too. I'll post that on the <laughs> Twitter. It's, that's it's, a great it's one. Beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's genuinely beautiful. Also, the um, the all of the stuff like outside, I could have sworn it was like a set, and they actually yeah. shot it outside. It's like in Idaho or something? Yeah, it's a uh, set in I was looking it up whenever um cuz I was watching it too. It it felt like something out of and it's like different in some of like the colorizing and everything else like that, but like of something from Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Like it felt again like kind of otherworldly. Um but yeah, it's shot in I think southeastern, yeah, southeastern Washington yeah. in north central Idaho. Washington, Oregon, Idaho, that that in region. the Palouse region. Those those There's rolling like, ro- hills. Yeah, the rolling green green hills just beautiful okay so there's like one huge thing that i wanted to shout out going back to the mirror song um or as we like to call it yolanda and steve their big (laughs) number okay um we need to put a call out a bounty out for christopher mcquarrie dude director of mission impossible ripping this bit rogue nation literally steals mm. just abruptly steals this entire scene for yeah. mission impossible rogue nation so for people who don't know in mission impossible rogue nation there's a scene where jeremy renner the thief himself the master yeah. thief deploys a a no, projector like screen it's it's peg it's peg and uh it's simon peg and um and tom cruise oh is it peg okay well yeah. either way they deploy like a projector like screen to just display a solid image while tom cruise is sneaking past them right. so that they can get past the security cameras it's the same this, device they use the same device but in a much cooler way yeah. instead of just projecting <laughs> the same device which by the way which has been much easier for them to do they like have the picture they have the solid photo that's I the, just that's the joke <laughs> yeah that's the joke is that they put up like a perfect replica of the background that and they then they just, play a music they could have just and then left they it dance there. in front of it they could have just so, left that's that a great there. bit like that's really funny <laughs> Just don't know they do why. the Mission Impossible thing, and then the, the joke version of that is then like they could just do that, but then they do the music video that I which could they not, shot. I like, could not get enough of that because I I know Chris McQuarrie is yeah. now a toy's head. Yeah. Also, uh, Thomas Dolby, by the way, is the guy who he, he was a musician in his own right. He put out "Blinded with uh, Blinded Me with Science." Huh? Well, <sighs> makes sense. I. I want to contact this man because now I'm afraid that like we need to put out a bounty for David Byrne too. Like there's a, we um, don't know the full story. No, I think this David Byrne was already out and established. <laughs> no, he did this. Heads by the didn't way, exist yet. By the way, um, yeah. I do want to say take this off of Christopher McCourty. We got to put it on Brad Bird because this is Ghost Protocol. Okay, I That's wasn't what, sure. I thought it was I Ghost Protocol, sure. but I, yeah. I wanted to double check because it's in the but. Kremlin. It's yeah. in the Kremlin. So Kremlin is Ghost Protocol. Yeah. It's Ghost Pro. Ghost Pro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, don't you dare fucking put that on David Byrne, one of our great American heroes. David Byrne inspired this, not the okay. other way around. So we are, we are, um, we're canceling Brad Bird. We're removing the bounty for Chris McQuarrie for now. We're for now. We'll doubling see. the bounty on Brad Bird. On Brad Bird. Yeah. You fucking hack. <laughs> you fucking mm-hmm. fake 
piece of shit. Well, actually, that, you, you know what? Ratatouille 2 is canceled now. <laughs> that's also, this movie is where he came up with the idea of an incredible family. Yeah. <laughs> so They're like, what if, like, you know, instead of like a robotic sister, what if she was like kind of like freaking stretchy? Yeah. <laughs> when Joan Cusack is revealed I, to so be a robot. I mentioned this before we got like, oh, the sense. mic. It's something that's so insane <laughs> and comes so far out of left field at the very end of the movie. And like the final, I don't know, like seven minutes of the movie, Joan Cusack, you think that she's just about to die because she gets shot with like a gun laser. I don't fuck it. What is that creature? It, I don't know. It's a toy. I don't know. Um, she gets <laughs> shot and you're like, oh, my God, Joan Cusack is just going to die. And then her head comically blows up yeah. and you're like, oh, she's just robot. And it really reminded me of the threat level midnight episode of The Office, where at the end of the episode, they're like, oh, yeah, we we forgot Dwight's a robot. In this whole thing. Yeah, whole <laughs> like time. where they just add that Gotta in there. Oil him up like it rocks. It rules. Um, I love Joan Cusack so much. She's she knows what movie I, she's in. I she's had, so good. In this. I have a memory of watching this movie. You know how there's like bars that just have like movies on mute on yeah. the TV. What the fuck bar did you go to? It was like some local bar, like in like Sanford, Florida, <laughs> uh, or maybe it was like it was like Defo Brady's. Maybe <laughs> that's not a local. <laughs> it was like some like little like like mini it was like a bar that was like cool you know they had like they had like a uh an n64 you know oh is it like one of those like gaming bar places it wasn't like, like a, a full-on gaming bar but it had like it had like a little <laughs> it had, it had a like game one station. tv with like games i try i want you to find this because wherever bar is playing fucking toys on I'm is in, man. no they, man. they had it on and i i remember like clocking it like is this like that weird ass robin williams movie and it was i when i looked at it it was the scene where joan cusack was getting her robot head blown off and i was just like i don't know wow. what the fuck this is <laughs> um and then you watched it and you're like i don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> you're more confused after watching so, this so let's talk about robin wright in this romance um because it, it takes up a chunk of time in the movie um, she's lovely. Um, it's very enjoyable, like watching them have some rapport together. It just doesn't like make any sense or like fit in. Um, I'm glad need... that she's stupid because yeah, otherwise she... it gets kind of problematic. She's just, yeah, she's just kind of like a Southern, like, like silly, like dumb person. And then, uh, those scenes have a lot of improvisation with where Robin is just sort of throwing stuff at her. And it's really fun to watch her like figure out what to do. Yeah, the because, two Robins. Because she's a great actress and well, with any great actor, putting them alongside an improviser is always fun because even they get thrown, you know, they're like, ah, there, there are a lot of like sort of pauses where she just is like oozing just pure charisma. And right. so you can just watch her smiling and it's like, yeah, that's the reaction. Um, but like, if you look into her eyes, it's searching. She's like, what do I, what did he just fucking say to me? She, uh, she hadn't done the only major thing she had done before this was princess bride. Which um, was, you know, that was, that was a big deal. Princess bride was 87. It also, that makes sense to put her in this after that. Right. Cause that's similarly sort of like an absurdist, uh, fairy tale style, like kids, yeah. adults movie. Yeah. Um, I did. She, she rocks in this movie. Uh, it's kind of, once again, 
it's a weird thing to have in here for like a movie that maybe it's a kid's movie. Maybe it's like the, her whole thing is just a hundred percent, not a kid's movie. Robin Williams and her just like straight up fuck in this movie. Like, Oh my God, is, the bra, there is a sex the bra scene. slingshot. There is truly a sex scene that happens <laughs> oh in this my. movie and they're having such hot and heavy sex that they don't notice the window breaking <laughs> fucking window shattering because they're because That's Jamie right Fox is in a van trying to watch horse- them. Fuck. <laughs> Jamie Foxx and um uh fucking what's Some his other name? Guy. Um is it it's yeah, it's uh Shelly Desai, right? I think that's Shelly Desai. Sure. Um the two of them are just two horny guys just doing fucking surveillance and yeah. talk about military, huh? Uh-huh. Just just watching people with your Say drones. <laughs> Everybody's so in, so into drones it's, these days. It's true. X tube. <laughs> Just spying. <laughs> so that that all happens. Jamie Foxx is exclusively in a van, and he's in two scenes in the movie. Um, incredible addition. I'm so glad to see him in this. Right. Uh, was this her, his big breakout? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like the show Jamie probably existed. Was this around that time? <laughs> was this his big? Bre- Do you think that like they saw this and they're like, yeah, this guy's gonna be Ray Charles. Like this is <laughs> this is who we need. I just I this, this, no oh my god this is literally holy shit this is his first feature film role yeah even the Jamie Foxx show started in '96 wow yeah that man made, people saw this and they like saw he well no creeping. he was in he was in uh in Living Color yeah which so, was like SNL okay. basically yeah. so he does um he was a sketch actor. in Living Color and Rock and then some other stuff. Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Moesha, Third Rock from the Sun. Yo, and but Moesha. yeah, this is this is one of this like first like big like movie like oh big God. budget movie. It is crazy to think like they probably thought this is what it, it was a Fox movie, right? Yeah. yeah. So they probably thought that this was going to make like I don't know like hundred fifty like just based on cast alone and stuff like that. Did they? I it's, mean, when you're watching the final product, like, uh. well, no, but that's the thing. We're in a time we have to remember. Like, we have to kind of put our mind set back a little bit because movie stars don't really exist in the same way anymore. But like, whenever you put in Robin Williams, who's now starting to kind of reach his creative apex. Joan Cusack, who's like really at the peak of her powers right there. Um, Barry Levinson, who's coming off fucking Oscars and shit like that. Like they there's a reason why this movie had a 50 million dollar budget. They thought that this shit was going to be a hit. When did it come out? I wonder. Oh, April. Oof. Oh, no, it was released in December 1992. So they, yeah, they put this in the money slot. It's a holiday They put this in the family, the family holiday Toys. Like annoying Reddit guy. Uh, Toys is literally a Christmas movie. It's Toys, Is Toys more of a Christmas movie than Home Alone? (laughs) Um... So Barry Levinson was nominated for a Razzie for worst director. Did they exist back then or are they doing this retrospectively? No, he lost to uh, David Seltzer for Shining Through. Whatever. The Razzies suck. Yeah, Razzies are a bad organization and they shouldn't exist. Um, yeah, they, they thought that All About Steve was bad. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Okay, wait, wait. Here's the Ra- best. <laughs> here's the best thing in this uh, Wikipedia for toys. There was a video game. I so I saw that. <laughs> it was, and I want to find this video. It game. was released for the SNES and Genesis. 
Um, it's called Toys Colon Let the Toy Wars Begin Exclamation Mark. Yeah. Which should have been the title of the movie. That's true. Well, that well, that's probably the, they're saving it for the sequel. <laughs> right. Dawn of the Toys of the Begin. And war, war. you played as Leslie Zevo. So Zebo. I think this it looks like it's just kind of like a little bit of a shoot 'em up. I'm pulling up like I'm pulling it up on YouTube right now to actually see. Oh my god, somebody ripped what it footage looks like. from it? Yeah, somebody ripped uh footage from this. We're gonna have to You gotta send me the <laughs> link. See, it's just Oh my god, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a general kind of shoot 'em up thing. I'll 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 send a little clip to you're using snip the snip it in there. He's using the peanut gun. Yes. <laughs> You are you're in like the floor like you can see the little fucking scary ass animatronic guy in here. He's shooting helicopters and tanks. This game looks awful. This game looks <laughs> really know. bad. I, don't like it. <laughs> I can't believe it's not a hit. Um, this is like right starting to get into that golden age where people don't know what to do with video games. They're like, oh, fuck it. We have a movie. Uh, let's also like put like. 250k on making a video game. We'll hire like two developers to actually put this together in a weekend. Um, it's like right now getting into that time where SNES and everything is starting to blow up and every movie also has to have an associated video game to it. So I wanted to take a look at like the exact placement of when this movie opened. Um, so it opened... What did you say? December? December late, of uh, 1992. Late December. I mean, yeah, they... December 18th. Okay, okay, okay. So this movie That's opened... prime real estate spot right there. This movie opened at number six. Opened at number... It, outside of the top five. Yeah. Woof. Okay. Aladdin, which we covered, was still in the top five at number two on its sixth... Weekend, six week of release. Batman Returns has got to be up there, right? Or is um, Batman Returns was that released earlier in the year? I, I know that's that's ninety two. Is it? I think it's ninety one. Is that ninety one? Yeah, be, I, might be I think it's ninety one. Yeah, it's not on here. Oh. Um, number one is a Tom Cruise vehicle. Any Cocktail. No, you can't handle the truth. Oh. Wow, I didn't realize that came out in 92. A few good yeah, men. Yeah, a few yeah. good men. Number yeah. one. Jerry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Number three is uh, Chris Columbus, a preview of next week's Mrs. Doubtfire episode. Mm-hmm. There you go. A sequel. Holiday sequel. Gremlins 2. Home Alone 2. Home yeah, Alone he two. didn't do yeah, Gremlins 2. He just did the first one. Then something called Forever Young. The Forever fuck is that? I want to be. I the Bodyguard. Be. Oh yeah, the bodyguard was wait, a, wait. The wait. bodyguard is where the um Whitney Houston um I Will Always Love You came from. That's what, what it's yeah. most notable that for. Beat toys. Is <laughs> the box it's kind of Muppets Christmas Carol has to be up there, right? That's ninety two. That's in its second weekend. Oh, okay. It's second okay. So I guess yeah. Where I is that at? Where is that at on the list? Is there a big right, drop off? Right under toys. Oh, damn. Damn. That yeah. God, that Muppets movie Christmas Carol is a classic. Come on, guys. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't care, man. I, I actually really had a blast with this movie. Like it doesn't work. It definitely like it a hundred percent does not work as a movie, but I also like, didn't, i never felt like bored to the point of wanting to turn anything off. I think right, I was like just you're, like, you're intrigued. I was just 
and a lot of it is kind of like maybe it's just the performers figuring out like trying to make the best of a bad situation maybe it's the production design just being fucking just so on another heightened level that you can't yeah. really look away from a lot of it. It, it reminded me of a, a movie I've talked about on the show a while back called, um, what's that movie called? The Fall? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Lee Pace, Pace The Lee Pace movie, um, where that's a movie that, like, a lot of people aren't going to vibe with, and that's why it's not popular, but it is, like, just straight up, you know, visually stunning, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this movie kind of reminded me of a little bit, where it's just like there are shots that I've never seen in any other movie ever. And you can just tell that there was a lot of thought yeah. and work put into them. So you mentioned the honestly visually stunning. Let's nip tuck this baby. Let's go full Wabami on this thing. What is one change that you would make to this movie to make one? it? Yeah, to make it better. (laughs) No, you have to do one change to make this movie work. Um, Do you have one or something? No, I want to hear what you say. I hear what you guys say. I mean, (laughs) I would probably excise a lot of the, the actual toy warfare stuff even though i like it even though i think that that's like a good thing to have in the movie it's it's way too long it's not entertaining it takes up a lot of room in the runtime like i like the fact that this movie leans into like the military industrial complex and it like questions that and again like we mentioned it feels ahead of its time with like you know drones and and all these things but i feel like it doesn't add to the overall picture that much Mm. at the end of the day. So I would, I would kind of like trim that up a little bit and in doing so like really trim down the end. Cause like, I feel like in the end they're really trying to do something with that, with all the toys fighting. This movie should be an hour 45. It shouldn't be two hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, you just trim that up and you end up with something that's more whimsical. I would have it end up being a little bit more yeah. lighthearted, a little bit more whimsical. You still keep some of that more like adult e kind of humor, you know? You still keep the romance, but you go more into like just this this weird toy factory and these weird sets and you just vibe more without like the plot of like hey, these are we're trying to get a point across. Well, here, what if I go the other way? Let's make this movie rated R. Okay. Let's go all the way in. Let's make this like then very yeah, like cynical. That works too. Let's go in on like capitalism while we're at it, talking about military industrial complex. Let's let's fucking see Robin right. just going at it. Well, then I, uh, don't, don't call it toys. Yeah. Well, it, the problem is with that that this movie is making somehow less than twenty five million. Call it. Let the R-rated. toy wars begin. It um. I, I want the whimsy though. Yeah. Um. The thing, it's yeah, it's not an answer because it's too much of like it's not like a single fix, but it's the beginning and the end need to be fixed a lot for exactly. me. Exactly. Um. The good stuff is because, in the middle. Yeah, in it the middle, is. It's, we, it's we the hit a rhythm. We really hit a rhythm because they're they are dealing with the plot, but it's not taking over the movie because there is really a lot of us just like looking at this world, yeah, like them just existing in it, and that's where the the joy of the movie is. Um. <sighs> I don't know. A lot of a lot of feelings about this movie. 
I think that this is just a must watch for anyone who likes weird movies. Like it's it's a weird story. It's weird that it exists. It's weird that no one talks about it. Um, and it, it is weird that people don't have like some kind of a weird nostalgia to this, like they do with something like because well, nobody or watched it. Um, also, PB was a hit. Yeah, people no, but I'm saying Pee-wee. like this movie like should have a revisitation. It has well. a lot of. It's Let's, it's just it has a lot of opportunities to do live action cartoon humor. Which is that's another thing that Pee Wee's does. Like Pee Wee's Playhouse is basically just a cartoon, but live action. And so this that's a lot of the visual stuff has that feel where like there just aren't a lot of movies that are made like this where you could just watch jokes unfold like that. For example, we've already talked about a few, but at the end, like almost the only part of the final sequence that I really loved is L O Cool J is in like a corridor, like being and he's being chased by a bouncing ball. Which that alone, that's funny, and then. Like descending from the other side is like a very slow walking like baby doll robot, yeah. and he the has bouncing, no idea how the, to stop. He's this. scared. The bouncing ball then sort of like unfurls itself, and there's like a scary looking doll inside the bouncing ball. That doll then unfurls itself, and there's like a blue scary doll inside of that. Why? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. And then when they're about to like. They're basically about to shoot L.O. Cool J and kill him. He, uh, he simply jumps and hangs on to the corner of the ceiling in the wall. <laughs> That's how he gets out. <laughs> well, of Well, here's the thing. He's a military man. Yeah. He just Did you like, think about that. <laughs> like in between the ceiling and the wall, he just like jumps up there and is just hanging out there. Yeah. Like that's just all, that's all really funny to watch happen <laughs> in real life in a movie. Like, <laughs> that's funny. Crazy. But when you when you think about it in the context of like them trying to tell a story it really I, well, yeah. falls Here's apart. That's why I, I just like, I think that like the difference is that like within like 10, 15 minutes, I was like, this isn't a movie. Yeah. This is going to be a collection of scenes. Yeah. And like, I'm happy. With it that. has, it has little kid logic like that. And another, like another example is the way that this is another P I hate bringing up Pee Wee so much, but it's just all over this fucking movie. The way that, uh, Robin tricks the security guards because the thing is, it's not just the music video, which is a very, very funny joke. He also goes up to their security cameras and puts a little placard that says MTV over what the actual camera feed is. <laughs> and so they're like, good. yeah, I guess it's MTV. I don't I know. I guess there's just MTV. <laughs> like that's, that's just like little kid brain, you know, Yeah, <laughs> that's just so telling good. you that this is real. There are a lot of moments like that in this movie. Like there's one that I, that I thought of that. It's like when Joan Cusack, sees that little doll crawling towards them and it's like obviously at this point like shit is going down and she's just like oh that's a cute little doll how yeah. adorable and then it it turns out to be like a gun yeah doll. <laughs> it's a gun <laughs> it's just like duh yeah. yeah like like that's that's something that like you know if you're actually trying to hold any type of narrative continuity that character well then later we find out that character is actually a robot so but if you're trying to hold narrative continuity, you're not going to have the character think that it's a cute doll. You're going to have her think that it's a yeah. gun. Is, like, is this movie better or worse if Joan Cusack actually sympathizes with the war robots because of oh, her also turns. being a robot? <laughs> you have to stop trying to make this movie serious. <laughs> you have to stop. Well, what, what if is, there's like what, a West Side this, Story type uh, dance there sequence like a between her and Tank? Isn't there a rationale like for her existence where they're like, oh, yeah, mommy, mommy. made Yeah, mom died too soon. And like you were like a weird little kid. Daddy so made me friend. to replace mommy. 
And then LL Cool J is like, huh, uh, I guess you haven't aged in the last 30 years, so I guess that does make some sense. Wowee. That's, yeah. The, the, see, that's... <laughs> That's sort it's of the just problem. it's a throwaway joke like seven minutes left in the movie. It's that so strange. Just also well, it's, it's the fact it's that so that like the people who made this aren't in like they don't like deal in this field. Like this right. isn't their forte. So they're well, also they were on a lot of drugs. I know, I know. But even being on drugs like that, they're trying to make too much sense out of it. When they should just let this be an ab- like a piece of abstract art, like yes, children's art. I, I would like that more if yeah. it was like make it make so less sense. detached. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I think that this does make no sense at all. And I'm happy I know, but they're trying movie, to make it make sense. That's what. That's why the, the movie problem work. is. At a certain point, I didn't. I stopped. I turned my critical brain off while watching this I know. movie. No, I know because I had. I gave myself kid brain, but like with adult humor, and I think that that's. That's really at the end of the day what I think they were trying to go for is like we want to make a kids movie for adults. We want you to think about this the same way that you would a kids movie, but this is definitely not for fucking yeah, kids. Yeah, it, it's just it it tries a little bit too hard. Like I agree, and I was able to really enjoy the movie because I did that same thing. But the like you have to ignore a lot of moments where the movie is trying to do other shit and it's not working. Right. Um. And that's that's fine. Like I, I was able to do that pretty effectively. Um, it's just that's why this isn't like a cult hit all these years later, because like it's still it's really uneven. But when they're going for like pure absurdism, like they do it like they right. do it pretty fucking well. So like, I don't know. I just I wish they leaned in a little more. Should we get to the categories? Um. Sure. I'll say this movie is a masterpiece. And I think it's perfect. The more we've talked, the more that we break this movie down, the more it rises. For all me. right. You're full Dean Hearshot mode right I'm now. Full, I'm, I'm all I, in. I I'm all I'm Levinson mode right now. All right. The Robin Williams series categories are brought you to you by the tragedy of Mick Ultra. This will be coming soon to our Oscar <laughs> predictions episode featured. Yeah. Featured on our list of uh, Oscar cocktails. 2K22. First, low, the low tragedy of Ultra is that Beer. it got nomination. <laughs> yeah, our cocktail list is just a Mick Ultra. Yep. Spider-Man No Way Home Brew. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> first category, category is the best Robinism. I have one. Should I just go ahead and say it, or do you guys have one that comes up real quick? Uh, no, go ahead, go ahead and list yours. All right, so the first thing that I can come up with, I already shouted out one that I really like, which is the little bumper bumper car in the funeral i think that's definitely up there mm. um but i think my pick is that suit that he wears to that important toy i, I love that scene. Dude, that's like constantly like making I'm noises glad, no, it makes noise it makes a different noise based on what movement you make <laughs> and so like and he just insists on like i'm going to drink this tea during the meeting yeah and the funniest part is like he walks out of the meeting and then just like turns the suit off like it had an, it had an off button the entire time, and he just chose not to do yeah. it despite realizing. It and was he just meeting. lets the suit do the work. He's not going mm. Robin that, mode. That scene is really funny, man. I really like that when it, when he raises his one of his hands, it does like a Michael Jackson style, like. It's a funny scene. That's a great bit. Great, great bit. Um. Hmm. There's one moment that it's a Robinism, but in like a bad way, because in a lot of these movies that he's horny and I don't like it when Robin's horny. And he, he literally at one point in this movie says, like, I want to get laid. No. Yeah, yeah. No, it's him. It's going <laughs> alongside Robin. Right. Robin Wright, who is still has training wheels on. 
her bike. Um, on her bicycle. Because she's like a child. Because she's also a child. This is two children. Kind of problematic there. Um, but we're not going to. No, it's basically. No, old. no. You said this movie's a masterpiece. Um, so yeah, so it's not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, pulls up alongside of her and then just like while driving, just busts out a fucking puppet like Mr. Understyle. Just like, I'm trying to get laid. <laughs> just kidding. Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> He's so he's horny. He's just trying. He's he literally. He does get laid. He spent entire his entire life inside of a toy factory. <laughs> this man yeah. and what we assume he's like what his forties or something like that. He's like an this is his first time. Did right? he know that John Cusack was a robot or no? No, yeah, that's no, he a did, great. He definitely question. does because he's like, oh, they blew up my sister. Like uh, he, the way that he reacts to it, he's like, oh how yeah. How do we you. know that Robin Williams isn't a robot? We don't know That's for sure. Point. I just think if he knows that John Cusack is a robot, I bet he's fucked her. That's all I'm okay. Gonna, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna interrogate that one. Um, I mean, why not? Are, are we going full ex machina on here? Like, I'm. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I can't dive in that. What's the next category? <laughs> What's Fuck the her. best moment in the whole movie? Fuck during the robos. Um, I we dude, I think that the more and more I think about it, I think the funniest scene, it's like a perfect mix of all the elements of this movie that really work is the vomit scene. It's that scene where they're playing with the toy scene. vomit. Their whole there's just Everything this recurring in that in that this scene. recurring bit with Michael Gambone about how he needs more space yeah. for just something. He's just like, I just I need more space. I need credit. Yeah. I need um, space. I need space. Um he it just keeps expanding to the point where they're in this white room. And as you describe it, like Tetris style, just coming in on the walls, they're like, huh, everything's shrinking. Let's just get up on the table here. Yeah. And then like four people get very cramped up. They're looking at the different color vomit. And they're like, should we add some peas and carrots? No, we need to cut cut the vomit budget. Like we're, <laughs> we're losing money on this product. And then he's just like, I see that. That's the vomit of a white man right there. <laughs> yeah, we need to add some ethnic. Yeah. Oh, like Thai time? Like he's like, yeah, we're we're doing this. This is so anglo-centric. Yeah, he's just vomit. like, if I look, if I see some, I see some teriyaki in there. I know I feel represented. Yeah. He says I feel represented by the vomit. One of them is, a, is a, a poop, and they're like, oh, we I got to give this to Peter. For I got to get this to the poop department. It's it's hard for me to pick a better set between that one and the duck crossing. Because I both I love both of them. Yeah. But if I had to pick one, it would be this vomit scene. Just because the scene as a whole, the yeah. way the set serves the totality of the scene. Yeah. It is exactly. like it all works. Because it well, because it's obviously a, you know, it's it's a draw from Willy Wonka. Um, like the shrinking right. room thing. The thing is in Willy Wonka, the only reason that that room is like that is so Willy can be like, isn't that fucked up? Like <laughs> that's the whole point of the room being like that, is he can be like, damn. Yeah. Yeah, I'm magic, kids. Like, you strap in, you fucking idiots. Right. Willy, no, you know, it's like another difference between Willy Wonka and this movie is that Willy Wonka, like, in in Willy Wonka, everybody is, like, swept away by the whimsy and by the magic, except for Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka's like, I'm actively going to, uh, no direction where we're going. And, like, I'm going to, like, send you down a bad acid trip. I'm going to yeah. make you just, like, blow up and, like, possibly die by fan. <laughs> like, he's just, like, actively trying to kill you while you're in his shop. And Robin Williams is kind of, like, the antithesis of that in a lot of ways. He is the kid, and the adults are coming in and trying to, like, bring him down right. to Right. I almost wish that, like, the big man hadn't died at the top of the movie. 
I wish that he would have died like maybe in the middle, like maybe rounding into the third act or something. We got got gotten a little bit more from there, so we would have gotten more of that vibe of that like Wonka vibe. You know, make that character like this because the the Gambon character is like the overseer of the operation, but yeah. he's not. He's not whimsy. I mean, he he has Dude, a his whimsical. Suit? Can we talk about a suit? Yeah, it's like a it's like a Hawaiian print. It's like deal. it's like Hawaiian camo. It's it's <laughs> it looks great. I love it. I honestly, it's it's from the duck crossing scene. He's wearing the suit with like the matching uh fucking like little go kart bumper yeah. thing. It's it's so good. My it's um, so good. the scene that I realized that I was going to kind of enjoy this movie is when. Uh, Gambon is in like his first board meeting and they're talking about toys and like you know really getting into it and he's like falling asleep and <laughs> and then someone says espionage and he's like espionage <laughs> and, and he wakes up and he pulls him into a closet and he's it's, like I'm gonna bring my son in he, here he lights a, he lights a match for them to talk oh, he's yeah. like talk quieter too quieter. quiet what'd you say too quiet <laughs> that, talk louder son and he just talks like louder yeah, than he ever that is first a started great scene. yeah and that's that moment. i don't know that's yeah. the first moment. scene that like felt like the movie was clicking where it's like it, oh this is just like a silly dumb yeah movie. it kind of sprung up a little like sprung yeah. to life a little bit you're right if they had stayed in that zone a little longer it would have been a great movie i think i love the the vomit shrinking room but i think my moment of the movie is yolanda and steve yeah. Like I, I felt like I, I literally like sat up in my seat a little bit when that whole thing. Yeah, that's like did, future my, generations will remember Yolanda. And Yolanda and Steve. Our Dude, children's children will so talk of Yolanda and Steve. You, you brought up the whole like Dadaism and like, if you kind of freeze frame that video, it has like very direct references to specific Rene Magritte. Yep. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like the Dadaism is all over this movie and like probably most obviously so in that yep. scene. Son of Man, uh Golconda, um, which is just like a famous painting by uh say it yeah. again. Magritte. 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 Yeah. Who did I, mean, I don't know why good. you're looking at me for that, but he, he's <laughs> he's the one who did the painting. Natural the, art snob drew the guy here. in the suit with an apple in front of his face. Is, yeah, yes, that guy. Also, uh, Italian futurism, Fortunato de Pero. This is all on the Wikipedia, but it's just like they managed to cram in everything that inspired all the set design for the whole movie into this like, you know, Talking Head esque. Yeah, number by Mr. Dolby. You know, it's it's a pretty good song. I I, I was jamming it. to it. I, I the lyrics are out there. They're really getting into like some some heavy shit with those lyrics. Yeah, the mirror song. It's quality. That's yeah. That's my moment. Um. Okay. Wait. 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 One other scene that I love. It's an LL Cool J scene. It's the first time that we get like a human moment from LL Cool J. It's whenever he's sitting there at the um in in the little cafeteria space, and he's like eating his food next to uh, Joan Cusack, and he's like, "I can't even eat food. My food keeps touching. Oh, yeah. I like I like military plates. I'm a military man. I like a military meal. He keeps. Oh, my string that. beans to be quarantined." <laughs> He says Whoa. so many times. A little, I'm a, military guy. a little fortress around my mashed potatoes so my meatloaf don't evade yeah. my mashed potatoes. That was a good moment. He wasn't <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't that bad. I, I gotta love, I gotta I really, cut him some slack. I love Dello. I think that he was perfect for this movie. For right. what there, he was trying to do. It deserves to go over like we should post like some of him in this movie because there's been 
it's been kind of going viral on Twitter recently how insane his music videos were. <laughs> um, because they were. He was all, just isn't always. He, isn't he on TikTok? Isn't he like getting yeah, big I on TikTok? He was just, he was always the hammiest motherfuckers from day one. And um, like, no one knows about this movie. It's a great, yeah, we, uh, we got to cut We some should shit out tag him on TikTok and be like, yo. Yo, answer, answer for, for your this. <laughs> answer for this. Answer for your Yo, war what crimes. happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is your dad I want really I want like a Michael modern Gambon? day shot of him just like popping out of a couch. Now like 55-year-old LL Cool J yeah. just Can we buy a cameo of LL Cool J like in full <laughs> toys mode? <laughs> All yep. right. The next category is what would you do? Fellas <sighs> WYD <laughs> Well, it's tough to pick. So, who are we going for in this movie? We, it's hard. There's a few different options. There's no like here's, audience okay, surrogate in this here's, story. Here's who I think is the closest thing to an audience surrogate. What if we are Robin Wright? Yeah, it's got to be. She's a we're just we just get a job. <laughs> we get a job at a toy factory. Right. So not only are in we the work- middle in the middle of a field. Yeah, with middle an of elephant statue field. chimney. I'm definitely gonna go along with even if I'm not into Robin Williams because I'm just not attracted to him. I'm gonna. He's like. You know he's he's the son of a mogul. Yeah, she's stuck. He's, in, not, he's not that hairy in and, this movie. And she, well, she's stuck working in like the copier room. Right. You know he can he can take her out of that. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ride him to the top. I mean, and but then I'm gonna dump just him. think like you get your dream job. You've been working. You've been wasting away at Toys R Us, just like trying to get your bid break to work for Zevo Toys, and you finally get that moment. And then the military people come in and they're like we have to actually change up everything in military toys and also we think that you've been working out this copying machine we copying room we think that you're selling our plans to <laughs> foreign uh toy companies yeah. weird plot thread that goes absolutely nowhere they abandon that like almost immediately they just that introduces the whole espionage theme and they're so they can introduce LL Cool J but like they aren't worried about anybody stealing their plans anymore for their toys, like very quickly into the movie. Yeah, I I think she probably is the best bet for this category. I I, I can't think of anybody else. I think what I would do is I would probably just um I mean hold on a second. There are a lot of people employed at this facility. Yeah, tons of them. Mm-hmm. Where what what do they do? Where do they go? There's warfare. What well, is a happening? lot of them, a lot of them, they say are quitting or getting fired because they're bringing children instead. Okay. What I, my question is, what is up with those kids? Do those kids like not see their families anymore. Cause it seems like they're just like living in there and just playing video. Those games are, those are human trafficking victims. Well, they come in on a school bus. So that's not, this is a building in the middle of nowhere. Like it's it's it looks like a remote facility. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, if I was Gambone, what I would do is I would just like fully just take over the entire operation. Don't even keep any of the existing staff. Just just clear just clear house. Well, Ernie, you've always had a military complex that you'd like to push on us. So right? that does that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's, you gotta that get those you toys would, out. You really related a lot to the Leland character. Exactly. Yeah. Is this good Robin or bad Robin? This is okay. I think it's good Robin. I think it's good Robin. There's some bad in it. There's it's some not, it's just, great. like I said, a lot of his riffs don't make sense in this world. Yes, that's fair. So I'd say okay is, is Yeah, right. it's 
it's serviceable to a point. I'd give it a six and a half on the Robin. Um, like the quality of Robin scale. Okay, yeah. It's Robin's like it just it just it doesn't have to be Robin in this role. Yes. Okay, so yeah, so yeah. let's get to that. So recaging couch first before Robin. Where do we put Nicolas Cage in this movie? And why is it LL Cool J? He would be, he'd be, I mean, he would be, be fucking awesome in that I, part. The, that's like the only right answer. He'd be so good as a, dude, can you imagine if Nicolas Cage turned around and like, oh, look at me, I'm a couch. <laughs> I'm a couch. That'd be so good. That would kick so and much And this ass. is 92, so he's not like, he's not grizzled yet. Like, you could still buy him as like a spry, young, uh, you know, military type. He could even maybe lead this movie. Interesting. Yeah, Raising Arizona is an absurdist comedy, right? He leads yeah. it very well. The thing is, mm-hmm. the re- the thing is, Robin still, even though like it's not the best Robin, he does improvise a lot in this movie. Apparently, his entire like big war speech was improvised. Yeah, I buy it. Barry just like it, it says it says vibe. that Barry just like had the camera on whenever Robin was there. Yeah. Um, but I could see that. The I don't know who 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 ideally could be if we're recasting who could do this who could do robin yeah um so hello <sighs> cool j yeah just let's just put hello <laughs> cool j in there so here's one that i was thinking of and i don't know if you guys have seen this movie but i'm thinking john neville you brought up Jer- terry gillum and i'm thinking of like the adventures of baron uh muskakin like something like oh, like just something man. like that kind of terry gillum like if we do go for like more of an absurdist yeah, more yeah kind of like whimsical, a bad guy character yeah, actor yeah kind of something more like that if we are going to try and bring in like you know something like monty python crew like somebody of that caliber like bring somebody like that in Could i jo- mean it, it depends if you wanted to change the direction of this movie because if you wanted to because here's the thing like you were saying earlier that to make this movie r-rated and go more sinister that was like a half joke I, that is a route that you can no no no. but movie. i i feel like robin could do that i feel like he could do that really really mm-hmm. well you know if you strip him of a lot of the whimsy and you try to make him like go kind of like i don't know a little bit a little bit of a freak mode like I, I don't think have we brought this up in in our series, um, but they brought this up in um, the redacted popular movie podcast uh, that Robin Williams was in talks to play the Joker in Batman, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that would have been very different from Jack Nicholson. But they even wanted once Jack got that part, they even wanted him to do Riddler in the part that Jim Carrey ended up getting. So they were thinking of him for those types of roles. Yeah. Right. The villainous roles. And in this movie, he's not doing that, but he could, he could, if he wanted to, like this movie is tipping in that direction. So you could have somebody do that. I, I think if you're trying to slot somebody in here, you could have them be the fun, goofy type or, you could have him be the real, you know, kind of dark type too. Yeah, Robin Williams ends up in a weird place in this movie because I think that he is doing some things that are very good. Like he is doing some things right for Robinisms, but it 
It's not. I don't blame Robin for the faults of this movie. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't. I don't know. He couldn't have done much else. I don't. What think. about Eddie Murphy? <laughs> we feeling Eddie? No. I don't know who. I would mean, ju- who would just like blend into this world? I mean, we we've mentioned him, but the easiest one is just Paul Rubens. But if you just put Ooh. Paul Rubens in there and just make it full whimsy, but also a little dark. Yeah, he can do it. I mean, Paul Rubens is probably it's it's a layup of an answer, but that's probably the route. If you want to change as little as possible else to the story, but just like just inserting Paul Rubens to this role, he just takes like that that main character and Mm -hmm. just makes it zanier. Hey, I just mentioned him, but Jack Nicholson, (laughs) I feel like Jacko could fucking rock this movie. Both ways, inside out, mm-hmm. backwards and forwards. Any you which way you want to th- this hat. Any which way you want to throw it at him, he could fucking do it. I don't know. Sure, you know why not? I would like to see it. That's for sure. I think Robin ends up in a good place here. Yeah. I think I think this movie overall doesn't work, but I I like the fact that he's in it because you know it brought us to the movie. You know because we're doing the series and and we're trying to see like the types of things that he was going for. And this was during a time when he was just about to get his like meteoric meteoric rise. Yeah. And, and it, it's a movie to do this role. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a movie he felt very strongly. About. Was, you mentioned it. This is the movie that he like, was just like, I want to throw my weight behind this and not Aladdin, which is, this is why our guy wasn't a great producer um, is because yeah. he's not good at actually seeing which projects are going to be successful. But you know, um, this movie's bad. I also kind of loved it. Um, yep. I just I have a lot of complex feelings about it. I think that it's like kind of a visual masterpiece and right. there's some unbelievably great things in it, but I wish know. they kept those sets. Probably fucking burn that shit. Uh, well, apparently it took up almost the like entirety of the 20th Century Fox studio. Good. Like they took up so much. It makes sense that this movie had a 50 million dollar budget just because of all like the amount of space these sets took up. And then also they shot on location for a lot of the exterior stuff with the actors. And all that looked great. Yeah, looked great. Visually stunning. Honestly. Honestly. Woo! (laughs) I'm being being summoned away. Uh, Any any final toys thoughts? Um, Yeah, I, I keep on thinking that I have to pee really bad. Um... Do you have any more? You want to elaborate on that? or? No, Bye. I let the art speak for itself. Okay. Thanks for tuning in and watching and listening. Thank you, beautiful donors, for donating. Please be sure to follow us on social media at We Bought a Mic and email us at webottamike.gmail.com. If you have any questions, feedback, or comments, subscribe on our YouTube channel and donate at anchor.fm slash mic. Also, check out our website, webottomike.net, to get every episode delivered to your email inbox. And stay tuned for more Robin as we get into Mrs. Doubtfire next week and then Jumanji Mm -hmm. after that. So Mm -hmm. getting into the meat, plus more movie and TV catch up with Atlanta coming back, Better Call Saul coming back, uh, Ambulance ambulance coming everything everywhere all at once coming um 
Anything else on the radar? I think those are the big I mean, things. I'm really just excited for our, like, 27-hour um, ambulance pod. Yeah. Michael Bay. Yeah. Stands. Stand up. Thanks for tuning in. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.